Okay, Wild Pack, it's Bernadette. I am here with the mystical, magical, and quite famous Catherine Skaggs, who I'm very, very fortunate to call a soul sister of mine. We've known each other for, I don't know, lifetimes upon lifetimes, but in this lifetime, it's been about, what, Catherine, 15 years? Something like that. Yeah, it's been crazy. It's 2008 or 9 or 10, somewhere in there. Yeah, right? Well, um, when you came to the Wild Iris and then the villages and all that. So um, so we're we're going to get uh, to talking about shamanic drumming today and leading drum circles and you know, all of, the, all of the amazing things that can be accomplished or accessed during a drum journey. But first, um, I do, I do want to share a bit about Catherine's background, because a lot of people talk a lot of stuff about being a shaman. And, you know, they read her book or her books, or they might have read Sandra Ingerman's books or taken a class or, you know, um, uh, who, who's Alberto Valaldo and Paul Cohella and, you know, all those kind of people. And poof, they're a shaman. It doesn't work that way. So... All of that being said, um, you might recognize Catherine from her, uh, was was last year the 10th anniversary, Catherine, of the mythical goddess Tarot? No, actually 2018 was the anniversary. Really? Oh my gosh, where is time gone? So 2018 was the 10 year anniversary um, of one of the all-time best-selling decks called the mythical goddess Tarot that still is always in the top 10 bestsellers um, in stores across the country. And so um, that is her amazing, amazing goddess deck that is it, like I marry the animals um, with the traditional Rider weight Tarot. She married goddesses with the traditional Rider weight Tarot. And it is, man, it is one of my favorite decks. I've always loved that mm. deck. So check it out. And then your new book is? Artist, Shaman, Healer, Sage. And what is that specific, who is that specifically designed for? You know, that can be the beginning practitioner who needs a spiritual guidebook. And it's not, you know, it's born of 30 some years in this life of a journey through metaphysics that ultimately got married up with the shamanic path, which I find it's all the same. Ultimately, I've just added more practices from being with different indigenous peoples around the world. So it's about universal laws and truths. It's about working with all your allies and helpers, understanding that there's work with the archetypes of the artist, the shaman, the healer, and the sage within each one of us and how to wake that up, what, what that might be, how to awaken it and to use that in your life, as well as working with the medicine wheel. And, and then lots of practices. There's everything from fire ceremonies to smoke baths to plant baths to meditations and different ways to connect to your guidance system. So for me, it's like the beginning practitioner, the middle practitioner, and even people who've been on the path for a while may find some new practices or be reminded. Uh, funny thing is just this last weekend, I needed some reminders. I sat down to read my own book. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I needed to remember and embrace that for myself. Right. Exactly. And so um, I really recommend the book is pretty amazing. And I, the link to buy it is down below. And uh, it's it's really an amazing book. And, you know, finally, it occurred to me, you and I are, were going to do this video like 100 times. And then I had to reschedule and you had to reschedule and this happened, that happened. But it makes really good sense why why it's being done at this moment, because the theme of the daily readings that I've been giving this week have been all about um, awakening that exactly what you were talking about, moving forward with what what you want to accomplish, being able to get yourself out of the, the flight or the freeze syndromes or places that you're at. And this book can be, Catherine's book, uh, Artist, Shaman, Healer, Sage can be a terrific, terrific helpmate for that. So just, just very briefly, Catherine, how, you know, you've been, you have been in metaphysics a long, long time. You used to have a really big store in Colorado. Um, and so my question is, what got you interested in shamanism? And let's start with that because you like, you're no joke, man. You go to like Peru several times, you know, like every other year or something like that. Every few years you go spend, uh, a, a, what is it like two or three weeks you're down in the jungle? Anywhere from 10 days to three weeks over the last couple of years. And actually, yeah, I've, I've probably gone a dozen times now. 
since yeah. 2010, I think. And so what, what got you started on a shamanic path? What, what about that label or those practices, that belief system? How did that happen? You know, it seems like my journey is, and many of us, is I wanted to get out of suffering, I hate to say, but that was part of the deal. And I had uh, been on this spiritual path, you know, since my mid-20s or so and done a lot of stuff but and had practices. But I had broken up from a relationship in 2006 at the end of the year, and it kicked my butt. And I recognized the pattern. And so I'm like, ugh. And I started doing prayers and things like that, but I kept getting this download to get in touch with Sandra Ingerman. You're going to love this since you've made the connection. Okay. So I kept Googling her to see where she was because it was not a practitioner of hers or anything like that. She's trained so many people, thousands and thousands of folks. But it was like, no, I needed to find her. And so somewhere in that spring, I found out that she was doing a four-day healing retreat at Eagle Bear Ranch in New Mexico. Wow. And I thought that sounded familiar with Jose and Lena Stevens. I thought that sounded familiar. Okay. But I had sold Sandra's book in my store, Dreamweaver, back in the eight nineties, and it was soul retrieval. And I'm like, you know, there's something I got to do around this. I just got to follow my guidance. And since I kept saying she was on sabbatical, I just kept searching until I found that she was available. And it was like four hundred dollars for four days, except I had to camp. And I'm like, ugh. But, <laughs> you know, even though I've done a lot now, it's like it'd been a long time since I'd laid on the ground in a tent. So anyway, I signed up because I was really grieving from this sudden breakup in December. And I knew that it felt like it could just take me out, that there was something really important I needed to do for myself. And I've gone through a dark night of the soul by that time. I'm like, well, I guess I needed one more thing. But my guides just immediately took me where I needed to go. I made the connection with Sandra, but I also made the connection with Jose and Lena Stevens of the Power Pascal of Shamanism just innocently because I want I was guided to her. And two shamans from the jungles of Peru were there from the Shipibo tribe who've become very important people to me. And uh, so I just followed my guidance because I knew there was something that I wasn't getting from all my previous practices and I needed to go on a path of healing for myself. And I, tr I thought about shamanism for years. I'd sold books on it, but I always figured I'd meet a native American person that I was going to connect to. And the interesting thing is I was led down this path, which ultimately led me to many journeys into South America and to Peru, as well as actually jumping on the path with Jose and Lena at the Power Path School of Shamanism. I love Sandra, but I was guided right over here with these other people that I've studied quite a few years with and ended up doing their advanced training that took me all around the world. It took me to Peru, to the Andes, and a lot down into the jungles with the Shipibo, but also into Mexico with the Huichols. And their approach, even though there's these two main lineages of the Shipibo and the Huichols, tribes and the Caro people from the Andes, um, they're very multicultural. So I studied and, and worked with the medicine wheel all these years, very Native American, but also traditions from Buddhism and Hinduism and, and other traditions that are really universal. It's just like the same story from all these tribes around the world is being told whether they've met each other or not. And that's the theme here, I think, is to come back to the universal truths and practices, principles, but also to, I found and, and experienced a whole lot of different practices I hadn't been exposed to, from drinking tobacco in Peru, to working with plant medicines I swore I'd never do, to uh, laying on the earth, and, you know, so many different things that I, and, and getting deeper in how I speak to the allies and, and work with them. Um, so it's been a good cleaning out period. And, 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 you know, there's always cycles. It's like, I don't call myself a shaman. I call myself a shamanic practitioner. And it's not about the title. If somebody's hung up on that, well, watch out. That's just ego. As far as I'm concerned, I honor the traditions that I've had the blessing of sitting in. 
and just do my best to pay it forward to people that it's all about our personal experience ultimately. It's not about the intellectual information, even though that's fabulous, but it really is about how do we apply that and what do we learn from it? And how do we grow from it? I think that's the bottom line. We're humans as much as we're amazing spiritual beings and we're on a journey. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I find a lot uh, when I'm teaching that just, just so they can have something solid or what they think is solid to grasp onto and to hold, people are caught up in the labels. Well, I don't know, Bernadette, am I a psychic? Am I a medium? Am I a shaman? Am I this? Am I clairvoyant? Yes. Am I an empath? Yes. I mean, that laundry list can be, you know, I think on my site, Building Beautiful Souls, there's like over a thousand terms that mean all those same things, but but it is the way that you go about it. It's the path that you choose, right? And so for people who are wanting to connect more with nature, who, who do feel compelled to be able to say or to learn about shamanic practicing, shamanic work, do they have to go to Peru? I'm not going to Peru. <laughs> I, I figure I grew up with, I grew up with tribes and tribes of country people out in, in, you know, the boonies of Florida that, that nominates me to be a shamanic practitioner, but you know, and it, to me, it's always like when people get up in a, up, you know, they get their panties in a wad because I talk about spirit animals and they're like, oh, you are appropriating the Native American culture. No, I'm not. You don't know anything about history. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not. They do not own the trademark on, you know, I'm very respectful. I grew up in, okay, I grew up in Florida. The Native American culture and the history here, come on, y'all, that's where I grew up. But again, they're not the only people. It comes from the beginning of animism, way, 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 way back, because animals were the first gods that humans worshiped. That's it animals as as evidenced by their cave you know their hieroglyphics and all that kind of thing so but if somebody wants to start down that path do they buy one of your fabulous drums and that's the other thing you all know that Catherine is famous for is her art artwork whether it's a soul portrait whether it's a um you do spirit animal animal ally portraits right yeah, I do. I'm actually updating my website right now so that my I've I got two categories is all right now, like soul portrait. That's more like you and your essence coming through that may have your face on it. And then there's spirit guide paintings. Which and, general, I I yeah. and I've just included animal totems under that. But I think since I've done your drum, I'm going to make a whole full second category, separate category to address, you know, whether it be on a canvas or on a, on a custom drum, what is possible for people? Cause sometimes I don't think people understand that's really possible to go completely and fully down that path. Well, and, I want to, yeah, I want to talk about that in a second. Um, I want to address the, where do they get started with, with being able to feel like, or know, or whatever that they're involved in shamanic training or practices. But then I do want to talk about the drum. Um, yes, of course, I want to plug you in your artwork, but I, I, I called you the first time after the first time I used the drum and I don't even remember what I said to you. It, it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life and it would never have happened if it weren't for Catherine because of her process when she paints. And so we'll talk about that in a second. So if somebody wants to get started, right? Like let's say they live in a big city and they don't have really so much access to nature or because camping for me is is no Netflix or Amazon in in a five star hotel. Okay, that's camping. So um, unless it's glamping in a big trailer, but but I do love nature and I do love getting out in nature. But a lot of people don't have access to that. So what what should they do? What are some things they can do to feel super shamanic? You know, I like prayer, and I like and and marrying that up with just a walk to the park, even if you live in the city, or if you got a great place on your balcony in your apartment that you could sit out and look at the trees, look for the animals, look for the birds. This is all a place that you can consciously intend to begin to be curious about, because I find curiosity is a really important key to everything, is to be curious about the spirit of the animals of consciousness that wants to come through the birds, the trees, the plants, the animals 
to speak to you today. And where you just sit in observation, whether you take a, a walk or if you can get in a place where you can sit and begin to feel and sense and connect to the energy of the earth. And, you know, I've even had people who couldn't get outside their home. And one of the things I, I encourage is then visualize it. You've been on the earth your, your whole life. Right. You've been outside at some point in a, where a tree is or a plant or a dog. So sit and just visualize dropping an ice big grounding cord through the ground, through, through your home, through your apartment, all the way down into the center of Mother Earth. And with that focus and visualization and intention, imagine you can begin to feel her heartbeat and feel, so your intention carries everything in your prayers. And it's like, as soon as you begin to ask, well, who wants to talk to me today? You're going to get a message if you get quiet for a little bit and find a way to be in observation and to trust all of your senses. I've had so many people, and you probably have too, say, I can't see anything. When you do a drum journey, I can't see anything. I'm like, well, what do you feel? What do you imagine? But what do you hear? And where we get beyond this mental chatter, it takes it takes a commitment to making time, first of all. I've seen a lot, I've had students before sign up for the six-month class, and sometimes they don't do anything in between the, every Saturday. I mean, we meet one Saturday a month and have several Zoom calls, and then I'm like, what'd you do? And they kind of forgot everything. I'm like, did you go to the website? Did you go? And I'm like, okay, you're going to get out of it, whatever you put into it. Exactly. Exactly. And rhythms and cycles. And sometimes it's maybe more challenging than others, but it comes to just making up your mind that you're going to start trying just some different things. Right. And, you know, I find um, that to help people get connected to, you know, if they're very focused on shamanism, shamanic practitioners, or being a shamanic practitioner, that it, it it's really fascinating for me to watch because if somebody's in a mediumship class, they then it's not about them, it's about the discarnate or the spirit that's coming through. At least that's what they think. If they're in a psychic development class, they're thinking of the great beyond and getting messages from the great beyond. And they really, really struggle when it comes to shamanic journeying. Huh. And I don't ever say anything at first, but I'm going to give away my secret right here, which is, yes, it is a total trigger for you. And it totally unseats you because you're, you're being asked to connect with the deepest part of you that is the most natural part of you. And we've been so conditioned and so warped and so trained and so whatever to be different than what we are you know, we, we, we've got to be more this, or we're not supposed to be too much this or whatever, whatever, people have forgotten to listen to who they really are. And it, you know, like you say, universal truths, to, it's the same. To me, it's natural law that there are, you know, listen, you grow up in the country and, and you'll see things for what they really are. And some of them not so pretty, but that's what shaman deal with. You know, my, my favorite is when people talk about taking, um, you know, doing a soul retrieval with someone and I, I, people just tend to want to stray away from anything that they think is negative or dark. And I'm like, well, if you're going to pick up pieces of somebody's soul, you better be prepared to go to the underworld there toots. Because yeah. if you're not, you're not doing your client one bit of service at all. And the path of shamanism, shamanism is not for the faint of heart. No, it is not. It has initiations. It has going through your fears yeah. so that you can clear them. It has archetypal work that's beyond your personal work, like what you're talking about when you're working for a client. There's often collective things that you begin to deal with that are not just you or that other person. It's like, oh, there's all kinds of challenges. And if any reason you hide away any shadows or fears in you, and you don't call in your allies to help you, oh, it's not gonna be fun. Right, and you know, that's the other thing is that the most natural part of us is our animalistic side. That's science. <laughs> so when, when, let me just tell you something. You're brilliant. I hope you write a whole book about this or, but 
when the day that I was like, well, Catherine, and I've told this story and some of you may know this story because I got, uh, I told that, I told this in class or like, I think, yeah, 70 people in class and just about all 70 went, oh, when I said what you told me, which I'll say in a minute. And then I said it on a, on a couple of the daily readings, uh, that I do here on YouTube, uh, about this. And I got so many emails and no, just pings of, oh my God, that was the most powerful thing I've heard in years. And it's all due to you, which is, I was like, why do you have, because I've never seen you do it. Maybe you have, I've not seen every painting you've ever done, but you have the bear head wrapped around my head where normally it's just the person on one side and the animal on the other. And you said, because I see you as stepping out of who you are, the bear, to be Bernadette when you need to. And when you don't, you step back into being a bear. I was like, we're done. That's the most powerful, wise thing anybody will ever say about connecting with your spirit, tone, and power animals, and make no mistake, I'm jacking that. I will, <laughs> I will always give you credit. But that's just brilliant and wise. And all of a sudden, I watched light bulbs go on for people, whereas I've been teaching you invoke it from inside of you because we all are a bear. We all are a snake. We all are a tree. We're all of this. That's, that can be a little out there for people to grasp, but, but when they, when they can say, well, no wonder I identify with the wolf totem or no wonder I identify with this. And certainly to me, um, your birth totem starts with your Zodiac sign. You know, that's who you are, but it's only one level of who you are. So when you talk about walking out to, to be this illusion that is our human self, but we, it's brilliant. We love you. And I, I'm telling you just teaching, just, just sharing that or teaching that to students alone or sharing it with everybody man, does it empower them? And man, does it allow them to get in such a deep relationship with their animal, their animal allies. It, so I've been starting everything with that, including, if I may, I want to tell you something about Catherine's drums. So I know she does this, but Catherine, can you describe your process when you paint for someone, a drum, a soul portrait and anything? What, what goes on energetically with you while you are making that sacred, visionary, crazy off the chain art that you do? What, what is it that goes through you into the piece? Well, it's not an intellectual pursuit. You know, I trained as an artist early in life. I began drawing when I was a kid and painting and all that. But when my spiritual path and my art came together, it was through intention and clarity of being open as an intuitive and just asking to basically hear the universe or to hear the call of the soul or to hear the, I say here, feel sense here. I'm, I've understood, I used to think I couldn't see like the same shamanic journey thing, like, oh, I can't see anything. And then I'd paint this artwork. I'm like, well, of course I can see something. This is silly. It's the language of these eyes it's like i could see inwardly and i understand i'm an interpreter of information i'm an interpreter of vibration so when you set your intention of what you desired for that drum first of all i made the drum for you and that was its whole experience of putting prayer into it and asking for everything that you were calling in to come but then as the artwork as what we wanted to do base you know that you said like my jaguar shaman I'm like, okay, it's like the painting paints itself and it's opening a portal. It's not just a piece of artwork. It really is a vibrational doorway for all that you're calling in. And somehow I marry up with this higher energy to let it come through my hands and my heart. And that I asked to just be a pure channel or hollow bone as we use the language in shamanism that I get out of the way because there's, you know, I showed some pictures to Bernadette and it's like it evolved. And I realized that one that was split down in the middle, it could never happen. It wasn't right. And so there was this conversation with the, not just you and me, but with spirit right. and with bear and yep. with the ultimate um, goal that was beyond your words. It was you held a packet of, of, 
spiritual vibrational information that you allowed me to tap into. I always say that I just hold the brush and you paint the painting. And that it's it's a, a real honor to be able to do this for you or for anyone. It's a sacred honor that is I don't take lightly. And so uh, I just really am grateful that I got to to walk that with you and the undulations and, and the evolution that came through with it because it, it's a huge teaching, not just of how this works for the way I bring in art or soul portraits or spirit guide paintings or totem animal paintings, but it's life. You know, where this piece of sacred destruction is, is a principle that I've worked with with the goddesses and with the tarot but also with shamanism that there are cycles of, even when you think you're right on track for creating something, if it's not quite right and you're really committed to the highest vibration of it, then there has to be the courage to let go what's not quite right. I learned this from a teacher I had when I was in art school. Now, not from a spiritual perspective, but like from painting a hundred hours into uh, painting that he comes and he looks at and says, you know, your composition would be great if you moved it about an inch and a half up on the page or on the canvas. And I think I'm about done. And I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, but it taught me something about courage. Like if your relationship is an inch and a half off and it's just kind of okay, but not quite right, or your job or your health, it requires a lot of courage to say, I'm going to let what it looks like in the form go so that the next piece can come up. And I often find when that's happening, whether it be a drum or a soul portrait that's only an hour long, is there's a correction and there's a healing taking place. That that ability to let go of the pattern that's not quite right, it's not just an image, that there is a courage and a healing opportunity to bring it into harmony. So... And that happens with all my artwork and all, it's just been an incredibly spiritual process to be aware. Keep talking. I'm going to get something. Hold on. You talk about all your artwork. So this is the amazing soul portrait that Catherine did for me years ago. And, you know, what she has not said so far is that what she does when she creates a piece for someone is that she prays over it and she blesses it. And I don't even know how she gets through painting, just the sheer volume of her own divine energy that she's putting in and channeling through her to that piece. This showed up at my store one day. I had no idea she was doing it. And I got this big, this our UPS guy or FedEx or whatever came in. And he was like, is Bernadette here? I'm like, I'm Bernadette. And it was a package specifically for me. I didn't know what it was. And y'all, I was having one of the worst days of my life that day. And I was the eight of cups. I was ready to walk away from the store, walk away from my life. Just we're done. I'm going to have a do-over as Scorpios are wont to do. Death and, death, and, death and destruction, then rebirth, right? And I opened this. And I did have to leave the store that day. It's one of the times I've cried the most in my life because when Catherine paints these, it's how she sees your soul at the moment. And I, I was stunned. I was grateful. I was, I was feeling not worthy. I, anyway, it changed the course of my life. And so the drumming thing, if I may, let me just interject very quickly. Catherine, you know me. I've never liked, I like circle. I've led a thousand circles in my lifetime, but I, I, I've always used meditation music, usually pretty heavy on the wind instruments um, without being too airy fairy. I mean, I'm a, I have loved Native American flute since the first time I heard it at Silver Springs, Florida, when I was seven years old. And then there was a thing we had here. It was deplorable, but it was six gun territory. It was terrible. Um, the worst fifties version of Cowboys and Indians. It was awful, but I didn't, you know, I was nine. What did I know? I just knew that I anywhere that the Indians were dancing and playing their flute, I was right there like this. My mom would have to grab me by the back of the head and jerk me away. So all of a sudden I woke up one day and my bear said, you need to have a drum. And of course, there's nobody else I'm going to order a drum from other than Catherine. I didn't know. Shoot from shiitake mushrooms from Shinola. 
about drumming technique or this or that. I just know that when I've been to circles and people are like, wham, 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 it disturbs my demons. I got to get up and leave. I can't handle it. So I thought, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with this drum, but I'm being told to get it. So now it's come. Well, I was, when we kept, Catherine and I are like tracking the tracking number. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And um, it finally got here and I stood there and I listened to it for a minute and I, I touched the box and everything. And it was like Christmas morning until I took out the drum. And then it was like church, an initiation, a pay on. I was not prepared for how it made me feel, which was basically to genuflect to it, really. And, and, and tell the drum how, how very grateful I am and honored that it would choose me. There are a lot of reasons that go into that. One of them being it's made from elk skin and you all know my enduring, enduring disdain of anything made from animal products. It, but I, there are many, many, many spiritual reasons I decided to go with that. And so I know that the elk that that came from, I know we're aligned because when you hear the resonance of that drum, I'm sure there are others out there like it, but this one is mine. So, um, and then the bear and just the whole way this whole thing went down. Well, this class in the villages was the first drumming circle I've ever led with a drum. I wasn't terrified, but you can be darn patootin Sure, I watched YouTube videos about how other people do it. And I know how you do it, Catherine. And I was like, well, I got to do it because I'm being told that I cannot do it the way they do it. I can't do that thing, the single beat or the double beat. I just can't. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it. And I, I trust that it's going to be perfect. So as I went around the classroom, some people it would beat lighter and staccato for, and some people just wanted it tapped on the edge or between the middle and the edge. And some people wanted that wham, wham. But that drum has such a, um, a depth of resonance to the sound. It never sounds like, it, it's not caustic. It's, it's just like if your heartbeat was magnified a million times, it's still, it's still the thrumming of your heart. And it was beautiful. So anyway, I asked the class afterwards, you know, how they liked it. And they loved it. And then I called Catherine. I kind of felt like a kid going, did I do the right thing? And, um, you know, I told her what I did. And she was like, yeah, other people do that. I didn't know. I've never been introduced to drumming like that. So I do believe that all the prayers and the blessings and the energy that you put into your pieces, like you said, they're portals. I know that when I'm having a crappy day, I immediately go stand in front of my soul portrait. I immediately stand there and I look at her and she looks back at me and we get right with God. And then that's another saying here in the South, we get right with God. So now the drum has become another instrument of that with me. And she was so kind um, to send me this bear rattle. And I just love this little thing. I, I noticed the other day, I, I probably had walked around with this thing for an hour in my hand not even noticing. And finally I went, my God, it's a banky banky. So I, <laughs> I put it down and then I felt bad for putting it down, but um, it's the tools that you, it's not, it's not just that they're tools. It's what you put in them that I, 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 I just really feel like for people that want to go to the next level in their shamanic practice, they need a Catherine drum. And yes, mm. is that a plug for you? You betcha. Mm. Because I was not prepared for how it made me feel. Believe me. I went kicking and screaming the whole way to get a drum because it just hasn't been my thing. And I had to be really sure did I want one because all the other shaman have one. No, I didn't. It was a time for me to use a different tool or to be, you know, come into alignment with a different tool, a different way of being a different, you know, anyway. So I thank you a million times over, but th the point of this is the other point, be really careful where you buy your tools. And when you get them, normally, if it's anything, I do a clearing. Catherine Skaggs, things that she has sent me in the past or, you know, that I've gotten from her, I've never energy cleared anything. They're still, they, they, I've never cleared their energy because the energy that they're sent with and the, and again, the prayers and the blessings, it, 
they're there in the paint. They're there in the drum. They're there in the everything that goes into it. And you just never seen or felt anything like it. So I appreciate it very, very much. Um, I was not prepared for that to happen and, and yet it did. And so it is, it is on my altar, never to leave. I have to get a better stand for it. Um, and I, I think I might get a little case for this and just carry this around with me anywhere. And when a server at a restaurant pisses me off, I'm going to go, I, I, I rebuke the energy of this crappy pizza. Go get, you know, go get me a better eggplant pizza. No, I wouldn't do that, but, um, but it'll be there if I ever need to. So, so when do, when do you think, Catherine, when do you think it's okay for someone, how, how will they know? You know, we're always learning and we're always growing. Gosh, dang it, I wanted to take that class of yours. Oh, I want to take the class. Maureen's in the class. And um, I just, I had a whole shift in the book and how this happened and this up. Anyway, I couldn't take it. Um, and she and I have been friends for a thousand years and I would still take her class because because she's Catherine and there's always something to learn from her. Very, very, I mean, you talk about wisdom sage, that's Catherine Skaggs. But, but when do you think that someone could safely say, like, is there a benchmark they could say, well, I'm a shamanic practitioner? As soon as you begin to embrace some practices. What does that mean? Like you just like them or is there some level of achievement? It was kind of like learning to play the piano. You got to sit down and, and practice. And it is a practitionership. So it's like, I encourage people to learn some principles and practices, make an altar, walk in nature and look for guidance every day or so many times a week, be in prayerfulness. You know, it's like adding a new habit to your health. If you do it, you're going to benefit. If you don't do it, you're just in your head. If you're not practicing, you're not a practitioner. Right. It takes practice, 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 practice. And it, it, I tell a story in my book about a Qigong master. This old, old guy had been doing Qigong forever. And he's a good example of it. And he, uh, he's out in the woods doing a one single pose he's holding. And a student came upon him. And he watched him and watched him for the longest time. Then pretty soon the student found his way up to the master and said, hey, I want to know how to become a master like you. Who should I study with? How many, how many practices, what practices should I do? What poses right. should I do? Right. And the master just kind of looked at him for a bit. And then he wisely said, you just need to do one practice. You just have to practice. Just choose one to begin with. Then if you want to try others do, but you just have to start practicing. And I find that it was just a really profound story in that we get all up here and all that we have to do and we get overwhelmed and then we, we stop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, go spend five minutes in nature every day and ask who wants to come to you. Say a prayer before bed and, and wonder how good your life can get. Look, for, Ask for the messages to show themselves. You know, engage at these levels. You know, if you feel crappy, get some sage out and and clear yourself. And if you still feel crappy, go lay on the earth. But learn learn some principles and some practices and then engage them. And then you're, I mean, you're a practitioner once you just start engaging. It doesn't mean you're a master yet. It just means you're starting to practice and learn and be open you know, as long as I've been doing all of this stuff, I have constant opportunity to grow. You know, the oh, world yeah. is like, I've got, I mean, every day, the world is showing me things to clean away, to open up to, to love more deeply, to let go of something in myself. I've been doing work for a long time, just like you have. And it's like, every day is part of the deal. It's like brushing my teeth. What, how am I, what do I need to do today to connect and to really be present to the divine that's all around me and within me. Right. Wow. See, oh, it's like the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting there listening. But it I'm is true. Baptist. I got preacher in my background. <laughs> right, you do. <laughs> Girl, Southern, Southern Christian churches, they're some of the funnest things with the best food around. But, um, you know, if you can take the fire and brimstone. But um, it. 
I love that you say that because people are always looking for like in they're always looking for okay well once I do this then then this right but a spiritual walk and a, and a practice as a psychic, a medium, a shaman, a clairvoyant, an intuitive, a, a Reiki person, a quantum touch, a, you know, Barbara Brennan and her um, uh, healing hands, that kind of thing. It, it, there, there is no benchmark for it. You know, like I, I love it when people tell me, you know, I took one, one evidential medium class. And so I'm now going to charge a hundred dollars for a medium reading. And I'm like, okay, here's what I can tell you as a person who started out from her very first class, getting messages from spirit in such a manner for the, for the teacher of the class from her own dead mother-in-law that were crazy accurate. And I didn't know nothing about any doing any of this. I just did what she told me to. I can tell you it still was another year, year and a half before I was accurate enough, enough times enough, enough times that I felt like I should charge um, and not run out willy nilly. And, you know, just because I took a six week class and, and did stellar there, that to me was not, that was not how I wanted to handle it. Now, there are people I think that can take one shamanic journey class and one this and one that and get it. But that's very different than being consistent. I will tell you that 98% of the people that I read, as Mar Marissa Tomei says, and my cousin Vinny, dead one bulls accurate. And uh, <laughs> such a gross saying, but I love it because a lot of New Yorkers use it. It's a lot of New Yorker Italian friends of mine use it. I just love it every time they say it. And so it's not me being accurate. It's, it's, it's like what you do in the shamanic realm, which is you open up and be a hollow bone. And it's not about you and whether you're right or wrong. It's about the client and what's going to serve them best. And spirit knows that. And if, if you'll just, like you said, you're a facilitator, I'm a facilitator, but I've often wondered in the shamanic world, what's kind of the benchmark when I have students that go through a, an evidential medium class, not just a medium class. I only teach evidential mediumship only. And you know, if, if in the course of doing practice readings, they can't give a substantial amount of evidence for at least 80% of what they're doing, I don't think they should be charging for it. And that's none of my business unless people ask, but I, you know, they've got to do what they feel is right. But is it kind of the same in shamanism in, in what you practice? Like, is there any kind of benchmark you have for your students where you're like, yeah, I think you're ready to be a practitioner, i.e. advertise right. and charge money for it? Right. That's a great question. Um, I know it's such a path of humility. It's a path of apprenticeship. It's a path, you know, I did a two-year advanced shamanic program and I've been doing healing work prior to doing that program, but that program was I was on my knees a lot of the time. It was for me. It wasn't about becoming a practitioner that did healing work. That evolved because that was kind of like the nature of my being. And I'd been practicing other things prior to that. So it evolved fairly quickly. But it wasn't my focus. And I, I want to put a plug in as I address this. Be wary of certified shamans. You can't freaking certify what you know or don't know or have experience with. You can certify you took a class. Right. But be very wary about how people's egos are. Right. You can take, you know, I had someone who um, had a teacher who's, he's a scholar. And a lot of the same work I've done or trained in, but he has a very scholarly approach to it. So he gives an A, B, C, D and not necessarily the intuitive approach. And so it's kind of mechanical. And somebody sat in some work with me and she watched me do the intuitive part which is not a b c d it's like that's why i said with you drumming it's like so no you're not going to do it like everyone else you listen and you perceive what is needed and then you address that and i think that's a goal of how to be present to your knowing not your intellect it's great to have intellectual information but if you can't drop into your heart and in the in-between spaces, 
then you're just rotely going through it and you may, you'll totally miss out on what's going on with your people and how to hold space for them. So learn techniques and principles all day long. I don't know if I can answer it in a linear manner. Uh, it's not linear. It's not linear. I mean, there are certain things that I recommend for people who have taken my six month class. We all make tools over that six months. They make a rattle, they make a medicine bag, they make a, a medicine wand. Uh, they have the opportunity to come sit and make their own drum in a different class. You know, so there's a lot of things that they work on, plus the principles and practices. And then whatever they put in, like I said, they get out. But then I have another class that literally is from the Shipibo that I've worked with in Peru. It's, it's how to pray with tobacco. Now, you'll find a lot of people in the States don't work with plant medicines in the same way that I've been trained. But I find if someone's going to sit and do shamanic healing work, from what I have to pay forward, I encourage this class to work with tobacco as an ally because it's very good at cleaning energy and protection. We do not inhale it. It was never meant to be inhaled. It's only meant to be prayed with, whether it be Native American, South American. It's meant that smoke is sending prayers to spirit. But that's like a class that's in my advanced courses for someone to really have that medicine in them and have a relationship with totem animals, plant spirits, if you're just spouting this off and you don't have good allies that you have deep relationships with, you're going to get whacked. You're going to pick up crappy energy. You're going to be in your ego. I mean, seriously, the way I was taught, it's like, oh, you call in all your fierce allies and with very, you know, everyone has their own specialty, right? Bear medicine, jaguar medicine, Owl medicine, owl and jaguar are two of my biggest allies. They go to work. I, I invoke them and they, I'm like, go get that. Go help me out. Or, or tobacco, go do that. Or another plant, morosa, which is good for broken hearts. So it's like, it's an evolution. Even um, where I've gone in the jungle, there's a series of plants that you actually diet with to really become more powerful, so to speak. Not power over, but powerful oh, and then, yeah. and your energy and your capacity to handle difficult energy. Mm -hmm. So we go to, we, I drank tobacco seven days in ceremony along with ayahuasca three overnight. I yes. never thought I'd do anything like this. I was called to it finally. And you were doing it before it was cool. You know, now everybody, it's like cool, but they're missing. I just find that so many practitioners are missing the point. Now there's that church that finally, whatever it's called, that finally got approved. Um, that they can serve ayahuasca because it's part of their indigenous belief system, so on and so forth. You gotta be careful, man. I mean, there's a lot of greed oriented, money oriented folks out there who can make a buttload of money right now on the indigenous uh, plant medicine experiences. And I feel really grateful for the way I went in through the door. I was not looking for it. It came to me in an organic manner. And after I trusted the teachers I was working with, it made sense that I was open to it. But a year before I said, I'd never do that. I've had white light experiences. I can meditate arrogantly, I said. But my spirit took me to another place that was not just intellectual. But, you know, ayahuasca is called the vine of the soul for a reason. It can really help clear out a lot of stuff. But it's not for everyone. And if you don't have a very safe container, whether it be a drum circle or a plant medicine circle, you're not safe. You've got to really make sure that you're safe. You've been referred in by someone who's incredible, that you may get to know those people before you sit with them in any of these teachings. Unfortunately, I've been around long enough that I've just seen people who have their own designs and I've heard stories of people who've had been preyed upon. And unfortunately, in the shamanic world, there's a lot of men who get a bad rap for hitting on women when they're most vulnerable. So, you know, and I think this is a wonderful world, but I've run into some really bizarre things over the years that I don't, I'm like, that's kind of not the path. I mean, this is weird. Right. And it's just too weird. Why? Right. I just, I just, I just, 
you know, the, I want to work with you, Bernadette, on something. It's like, I, because of my gift of being able to see the essence of people like that's come through with soul portraits, I realized as I look back on this Pisces cancer person that I am with five planets in Scorpio, I can feel so much about someone, but I've been oriented to see their light. I think it's a big piece of why I'm here is to be able to hold the light and see the light in others that they can remember who they are. However, in my personality and human journey, and I think a lot of empaths may have this going on, I get into a lot of trouble when I don't see their personality and what they're telling me they're doing because they're still not awake and they're still doing stupid things that hurt other people unconsciously. But it's it's kind of the same deal when you're innocent and you go, you want to learn this path that calls you for some reason. Just have an intention in your in your mind, call in Archangel Michael, tobacco, your spirit ally who's fierce and protective, that you're always safe and led to where you need to be, that your lessons can be with grace and ease. And because I find that, you know, as people are waking up, we're purifying our ego structures and shit happens, excuse my language, but stuff happens and you got to do your best to have the fortification that that person came into your life for a reason, but so you can wake up. And that's kind of one of the principles. There are no mistakes, but there are hard lessons at times. For sure. And it might, it, it, we're not going down a rabbit hole. This is all relevant to, you know, so you think you want to be a shaman and really what does that entail? Because there are some books and card decks and that kind of thing that would, would, would lead you to conclude that everything is, fairies and you know and feathers that waft gently from you know the air and whatever and it can be like that but when you're talking about doing real work nobody becomes a doctor because they're afraid of blood or they don't you know i mean even those that are driven by money there are much easier ways to make that kind of money and you don't have, you don't have the risk you don't have to carry malpractice and this kind of insurance and that kind of insurance which is crazy and put your life on the line while you're trying to save other people's lives so I, you know, I do want to mention something about the certification. I'm totally with you. I, I'm developing a certification course for the ARC, just certifying that people have had my training. Right. But, but putting my, my name on somebody else, I certify this person is an amazing or I'm no. Um, and people are going to have their eyes open because from what I can tell, uh, I don't know that any other certification people do it like this. No, you didn't complete it. No, you didn't turn this in. No, you didn't do that. No, you don't get really the certificate. Important. And that is going to ruffle some feathers, but I will make that very, very clear from the very beginning, which is no. And, and here's why. When people get caught up in their ego, like you were just talking about, um, it can be, it can be difficult to know or to see that you have to create a relationship with spirit, the same as you and I have a relationship or the people, you know, watching out there, all the wild pack watching, you have relationships with different people. They're, the world of spirit is a living, breathing world. They're, they're not just hollow specters that it's not like that. And I will tell you, I have watched it happen so many times that people get all up in the, yes, I'm a psychic medium, shaman, blah, blah. And they got like 52 names after their name, you know, what they do. And, and I'm sure that's all, this, I'm sure that's right. But until, until you can, I'll even say 10 times, until you can 10 times in a row, that's probably a low number, sit in a room, not being able to see your client, not being able to get any feedback from your client and giving them a reading anyway, and it still be accurate, like Marissa Tomei says, dead on dwells accurate. I don't want to hear anything about you being a, 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 a certified evidential medium or a practice. And I surely don't want to hear you do tell and tell anything about soul retrieval and this and that. And that is harsh. That is a harsh thing. I don't want to hear it. But y'all, people, people come to Catherine, people like Catherine and I that are it's hard. Is it time for me to disconnect my husband from the breathing apparatus? Is it true? He's going to be a vegetable his whole life. And so we might as well disconnect him. 
is my child going to die? All, all the doctors, including my father, who is a doctor, is telling me to move him to palliative care because children like this never, ever survive from a nasty car accident. Is he going to die? Um, should I have this baby? Should I not have this baby? Um, we're having XYZ problem. And should I put my child in a mental health facility? Should I, you know, and, and it's all, you know, I'm suicidal, I'm this, I'm that. Now that may not be the work you want to do. And you can calibrate the universe to respond specifically to the kind of work that you want to do. But I have clients that want to take the deep dive because I'm not afraid of the underbelly. And I think those are the people that might need the help the most. It's a judgmental thing. But, you know, um, I, 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 it is life or death situations a lot of times. And if you're a healer and you're doing a soul retrieval and you find that a person was murdered by their, their now gardener or whoever there is rubbing their demons the wrong way, that can be, that can be a tough place to go. But that's what the true healers do. And that's what the true shaman do and the true this and the true that. I'm not saying the others are not true. I'm saying that life is not always sunshine and roses and those people need allies. And if you're, you're afraid to be their ally, you, you don't have that strength. Okay. But don't bill yourself as one because people, people in the average public think if you've labeled yourself a shaman an evidential medium that you can deliver like the people they see on TV. Now, that's not hard to do because it's edited. I don't know how much, you know, they could have spent three and a half hours with somebody and gotten one thing right. And then, woo, praise Buddha. We got it. We, we've got material, but I, you know, so I'm a little more, I'm a little more stringent about the identity thing because of my relationship with spirit. And I know if I do something just for the money, or I do something just for this or just for that, it's not going to go well. But that doesn't matter to me because organically, I want to do the very best. Uh, organically, I want the people to get what they want because you can literally change the course of someone's life. They will depend on you. They will count on you. And then there will be people that will not listen to anything you said and go on Google two years later and go, she's a nice lady and everything, but nothing what she said came true. Right. Because you didn't listen to the rest of it. So where I'm going with this is be careful of certifications, be careful of investing your money and your time and your trust into people who aren't the real deal, which brings me to the final thing. How can somebody tell, Catherine? I mean, you're not a pomp and circumstance person. I've got award-winning history, making Arc Animal Tarot and Oracle deck everywhere. And I'm advertising the H.E. Devil hockey sticks out of that book because it's the, it's, the most complete work on the subject of all time. Somebody, someday somebody might surpass it, but it's a coffee table book. It's a, it's a, 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 um, a college school book. It is no joke and it is not light and fluffy. It is the real deal. So yeah, you're right. I'm all over the place because I know what it will do for people. So how can, and I, you know, how do people find who's, who's legit? How do they find that? I mean, obviously they call you first. We all know this, but, but let's say they're, they're going to look around. How, how do they determine that? You know, I always come back to, can you trust your heart and not just your head? Are people humble on just qualities? They may know their stuff all day long and be very good at it, but are they humble? You know, or they um, look at me, you need to come with me, I'm the best. And it doesn't mean that they're not the best, but really, you've got to be willing to take responsibility for taking your choices. And if it doesn't feel right, then you can say no and get out of it. But I think ultimately, I mean, I call my helpers, guides, and angels, and they led me exactly where I need to go. But I also know couple of years ago I went to the jungle and sat with a different group of people and I had one hell of an experience that was a great learning experience it just wasn't a lot of fun yeah and I was led there 
But I did, I have to say my prayer was, I want to bring Kali and Mother Mary together. Don't ever pray that. Go to the jungle, let me tell you. That's a hard <laughs> one. That was like, what was I thinking? That was, I, I got the opportunity to, to embody Kali. What were you thinking? Uh, yeah, like, what was I thinking? I wasn't. So, um, I, you know, since I am a proponent of prayer, meditation, and those type of things, asking your allies for help, I would do prayers around it. I mean, besides just being discerning, look people up, see what their Yelp and their Google is. Look them up. How long have they been doing what they do? Um, how many students have they had? doesn't mean someone who's starting out can't be good. But, you know, get a feel for them and how other people have responded to them. I like the referral system. I'm cold called all day long with people finding me to do stuff. But I know that I've got a presence for this for quite a while now. And the vibe is there. So if, if you're listening in, I know you're empathic, you're intuitive, you're wanting to find this in yourself. Play a game with yourself to ask your allies and helpers to come in and help you find the best, most aligned situation, person, school who's going to help you be empowered. Now, since I don't do readings like you do, oftentimes if people want a yes or no answer from me, I always look for the patterns that help give them the empowerment to make the choice. Now, I'm not saying you don't do that, but um, I'm trying to get people to take responsibility typically when I'm supporting them to find their path. And yes, I'll you know find diversification too. And then try different teachers if you want to along the way. Pick one, hang out with them, find find out what you 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 feel and trust. You know, it's I, really I still refer a lot of people to the people I've studied with. Wow! Last, since two thousand and seven, um, wow! I've had a ton of my students go down and graduate from their year long program. Wow! And That's... because I know that they've got some advanced things that I don't do, they take people to Mexico and Peru. I don't do that. They take them into some other deeper ceremonial work that I don't do. And so I trust that I'm a conduit at times to get someone somewhere else. You're a ferryman. I am. You are. That's true. Yep. So I hope that was helpful. It's all very helpful. And I, um, I am going to wrap us up here. Um, I, it's very helpful. And for the wild pack and, you know, uh, whoever is watching this at this moment, I, I hope that you can trust it's exactly what you needed to hear in this moment to move forward on your own shamanic path, shamanic journey, psychic mediumship, evidential medium, what, whatever you want to call it. This is to help you get to those deeper places that you may not even know that that you're capable of or didn't even think it could get deeper. Um, and not that the, the stuff that Catherine and I were talking about, not to scare you off. Cause I find people, they'll get a reading from me and they'll be like, I've wanted to get a reading from you for two years. Why didn't you get a reading before two years? I was afraid of me. No, because <laughs> you don't pull any punches and you don't lie and you don't tell us just what we want to hear. We're, we, we know this about you. And I'm like, so now you're ready to face the truth, whatever that may be. Yes. So I've, I've come to calling myself, I used to cry, call myself the crying psychic and everybody that knows me calls me that because everybody cries in my sessions, everybody. But now I've, I've just, I'm the trigger person, I'm the catalyst and I'm the one that people come to when they are at rock bottom and they're ready to step into the seat of their full power and shed everything that's no longer serving their purpose, tying them down, whatever that's, those are the only clients I get, the only clients I get. And I, I've been getting a lot of requests to do. Um, and I don't, I don't, you do this because of your shaman status. I think, um, you do, uh, medical mediumship, don't you? Medical readings, medical intuition. I don't put it out there as a, just a service, but it happens in part of, Part of what I do within the shamanic healing and, and guidance that comes through is to look for patterns that are not harmonious. So it will come out in chakras or different places in the body and I can get information like you must 
that sheds light on what that's about for the person on a psychological and emotional and mental and a spiritual level. So right. And sometimes very physically, some things they need to do different. I read for a gal one time and, and when I was going into trance scan, because I always scan people's bodies and I was, I was called to scan her body with my hand, but in my psychic mind. And I got around her gallbladder area and it felt, I mean, I even jerked my hand away. It felt like I had reached down and touched a hot pot or a stove or fire or something. And I said, are you having gallbladder problems? She goes, oh my God, you have no idea. And I was like, yeah, pretty sure I got an idea. And what we ultimately, it took us 20 minutes to get there because she would not face it, say it, nothing. She has rage issues, rage and bitterness but she comes across like Miss Mary Sunshine because, you know, and she just didn't want to admit it to herself, didn't want to see it. And then there was this whole story about how she grew up and this and that. And when she learned to hide that, and but you know, whatever. And she's a different person today than she was way back then because she decided that, you know, she didn't want any more, you know, gallstones and she didn't want any more of this and she didn't want any more of that. And so I, I just wonder, because I've been getting a lot of requests for it lately, and I just don't, if it comes up in a reading, I, I will say it if that's what spirit tells me to, but I don't do that either. I, I just can't, uh, not, be, not for me. I just wondered about that. So Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. It is, um, it really is an honor and it's such a pleasure. Thank you for being willing to talk to my tribe, who I'm sure many of them are now part of your tribe. Uh, Cause like I told you at the class, I didn't even need to be there. I could have just sat the drum on the dang table and walked out the door and probably would have thought they had the same experience. So um, thank you. And thank you to all the wild pack. I, I, I always say, I hope this was helpful, but I trust this was very helpful to you all. If you've got questions, reach out to Catherine um, and see if you can't get her to be part of the wild pack wisdom.com on our forums and start talking about shamanism and that kind of thing. Yeah. See if you can get her to do that. So, um, so there you have it. Uh, Catherine, do you have any parting words? Oh, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for all of you who's choosing to awaken to your true essence by being courageous to bring in the light where there's been a lot of crap, but it's worth it. It's worth sure. through it. It's worth connecting. And I just grateful to you, Bernadette, for all that you're doing, your powerhouse and your uh, beautiful heart. And I'm grateful you're my friend. The same back to you, sister. So how, what do we always say at the end of everything? Do good for animals, including yourself, and stay wild. Take care, wild pack. Bye. Bye.